On today's episode, how to avoid the daily grind and how to have a healthier approach to work. And then we'll get into the importance of being excellent in the ordinary. From the Ramsey Network, I'm George Camel, and this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders like you grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. Today, I'm talking with Rabbi Daniel Lappin, also known as America's Rabbi. He's a rabbinic scholar, international speaker, and best-selling author of one of Dave Ramsey's favorite books, Thou Shall Prosper. We're going to talk about how showing up day after day is the key to success and how to balance that with long-term planning for your desired future. So let's get to it. Enjoy this conversation. Rabbi Lappin, it's so great to have you here in studio. How you been? Couldn't be better, thank you. And uh, it's it's so lovely to do this in person and actually be face-to-face instead of over, over digital equipment. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, we are big fans of yours here at Ramsey Solutions. You and thank Dave you. have been friends for a long time now, and we're honored to have you in studio to talk about an important conversation. And it's something that all of the business leaders listening need to grapple with, and that is the daily grind. And there's a big difference here with short-term goals and long-term goals. But when it comes to work, you view this as two types. There are two types of work, and I want you to explain the Hebrew words behind them, if you would. Sure. Um, But first of all, before we even dive into that, uh, you have to forgive me, but I need to utterly and unambiguously reject the term (laughs) the daily grind. You're done with it. We're not doing it. Because if you view your work as a grind... I mean, really, isn't life too short to do things that are a grind? A grind means that it's wearing you down, right? It's a negative connotation. Uh, In my my shop, I have a grinding wheel. Now, there's a limited number of times you can grind the point on a chisel before you don't have a chisel left anymore because grind grinds you down. No, work isn't a grind. It's a privilege and an opportunity. And the key thing is to be able to reshape one's outlook Mm. into this area. Wow, that's powerful. No, it's it's really very very important because uh, you know let me let me share with you four verses quickly, okay? One of them is in Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen, and God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it, right? And then another one is uh, Exodus chapter two, chapter twenty, verse nine. It's the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is the Sabbath. And uh, six days you must do all your work. Now, you notice I've given you two verses that use the word work. Uh, Now I want to give you two more verses. Chapter 1 in Exodus, God says to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say, Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. That's a worship. Chapter 24 of Joshua, the very last chapter in the book of Joshua, Verse 15, Joshua's fed up with everybody. He says, you know what? You people can do what you like. As for me and my family, we shall worship the Lord. Mm. Now, see, I've given you two verses of work and two verses of worship. Work is Garden of Eden and Sabbath, six days you must work. And worship is uh, leave Egypt and worship God in the desert. And as for me and my family, we'll worship the Lord. Now, I like telling people that everybody needs a rabbi. Because I, so I hate unemployment. <laughs> oh, that's and perfect. so I humbly submit my candidacy for that job. And what I'm able to share, something that is totally hidden in the English translation, 
and that is all four verses use the same Hebrew word, even though the English translated the first two as work and the second two as worship. They're interconnected. Same word, because, and here's the crucial thing, taking care of business is another way of worshiping the Lord. Why? Because here's a way of defining work. Work is pleasing another one of God's children. It might be your boss, might be a customer, might be a client, could be any number of people. But if you're not pleasing another person, you're not working. You see why this isn't a grind. Yeah, it's service. It's service, exactly. And that's why we use the word customer service and worship service. These are very Mm. closely related concepts. And so when I go to work, See, I I follow the biblical rule. Six days shalt thou work, and the seventh is the Lord's Day I rest. I I rest on the Shabbat. The Sabbath is Saturday. So my six days of work start on Saturday night. Sunday morning, I go to work. It's not a pain. It's not a grind. It's exciting. It's a privilege. It's just one more way of pleasing my boss. Mm. Well, if you've met any of our Entree Leadership attendees, you'll know they're just like you. They're so excited to do exactly, the work they get to do. Exactly. That's, That's why kind of I say people. we shouldn't use the word the daily grind. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure. I mean, gosh, what would you rather do? Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. So when it comes to work, as much as we love doing what we get to do, there's pieces of work that we may not enjoy. It's all of the daily tasks, the meetings, the stuff that we have to do in order to have the impact that we want to make. How do we push through those things and have that impact and get to the stuff that excites us? How do you balance those? We all recognize that in in our daily work, uh, there are parts of things we like doing, parts of things we don't like doing. If you are an independent entrepreneur, if you are building a business, then what you try to do is hire people to do the things you don't like doing so you can focus on the things you do like doing because invariably you're going to be doing those better than you're going to be doing the things you don't like. But especially when you're starting off, you don't have an option and you have to do everything. And again, the Lord's language comes to our defense because we have different words for work. One of them, avodai, is meaning the hard, grueling work. So the work that in Exodus the children of Israel did in Egypt is repeatedly referred to as avodah. But then when it comes to work that is then the creative side, what you can then subsequently do based on all your previous hard work, that's a different Hebrew word. And we learn to integrate those two things so that even when you're doing the hard, grueling preparatory work, learning your trade or building up groundwork for what it is you want to do, you know, everyone likes decorating the house, but somebody's got to pour the foundations and lay the bricks and do the framing and put up the boarding. Yeah, you got to do everything before you can get to the part you like. And when we integrate those, we find ourselves inspired and driven because we can see the end goal inside. The end goal is that I'd like to be able to do the creative side of my work, the part I really enjoy, but I've got to do the groundwork first. And when we integrate those into the same thing, we realize that um, it becomes much more inspiring, much more, uh, much easier to motivate ourselves and drive ourselves to get that early part done. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities 
that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash Ramsey. That's NetSuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. Yeah, and all work in that sense has a lot of meaning. Even if it feels trivial, it's a part of the, the greater good exactly and the impact right. that you need to make. Yes, of course. That's a good reminder yeah. for our leaders out there. And Dave Ramsey comes to mind as one of those people who could have retired, quote unquote, a long time ago. He had enough money. Yeah. But he decided this isn't about – this is a calling. Yes. I can't help but show up every day That's and exactly do the work right. that I and, get to do. And everybody's work should be a calling. Mm. That's powerful. So as we get into your book, Thou Shall Prosper, yeah. the fifth commandment that you have in that book says that we need to balance short and long-term business goals. And, you know, we tend to focus on the short-term emergencies. It's just very reactive, all the little things, that, all the little fires in our day instead of the long-term goals. How do we balance those well as leaders? So I think it's really important to stay focused on the essentials. And what I mean by that is that um, I have a phrase I use in my own podcast regularly and even in uh, live programming when I teach a symposium or I do an event, and that is that the more that things change, the more we need to depend upon those things that never change. And it's really important. I remember back in 2000, Everybody, you know, the internet was brand new. Everybody was jumping in. And the big talk then was eyeballs. Eyeballs. What are eyeballs? How many times people see your page? And vast sums of money were raised. I remember an early attempt at uh, groceries online. They raised a lot of money based on eyeballs. And at the time... I remember doing a program on exactly this idea. Wait a second. The more that things change, the more we need to depend on those things that never change. What never changes is that you know you are providing a valuable service when you get a profit. You do not know from eyeballs. So stop with the silly eyeballs and focus on revenue and expenses. And when we check the difference between revenue and expenses, we either end up with a positive number or a negative number. Positive is better. Now, this is unchanging, but it was very hard to get an audience in 2000 and 2001, 2002, until the whole thing blew up uh, because everybody was excited about this new technology. Look, the new technology, there's always been new technology. Admittedly, this is an exciting one. But in 1844, when the telegraph first happened, when a message was delivered from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, Maryland on a, on a copper wire, uh, 
this is the first time in human history that a message could be communicated over a vast distance without using a man on a horse. Wow. This was stupendous. This was as big as the internet, bigger than the internet it was to us, was the telegraph to them. There have always been technological developments, but you don't lose sight of the things that never change. And one of the things that never changes is if you're not making a profit, you are not in business. That's very straight. Eyeballs? I don't want to know about eyeballs. Carrots? I don't want to know about carrots. Just talk to me about revenue and expenses because those are things that never change. Mm. And that, I think, is fundamental to the task of any leader. And who is the most important person that I have to lead? Yourself. Myself, of course. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and that's the hardest one. Yeah. Because, as everyone knows, the one person who causes you more trouble in your life, the one person who obstructs your progress, the person who's created more headaches for you than anybody else, the real villain of the story is the guy whose name is on your driver's license. Mm, the guy in the mirror. Yeah, that's wow, right. That's powerful. So let's talk about the, the minutia, if you will, of the day-to-day. It can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel some days when you're at work. How can leaders help their teams see this connection between the, the daily tasks, all the little things happening day-to-day, and that long-term vision that we're all headed towards? That, of course, is primarily the job of a leader. One of the problems that happens is that leaders very often establish themselves as bottlenecks. Mm. And right now, listening to us, there is any number of people who are doing this in their businesses. They make sure that every decision has to come through them. Is it a lack of trust? Is that what's happening? Um, That's a good question. Or is it an ego thing, maybe? I don't know that it's an ego thing, but I'm not 100% sure of what causes it. But I know it's real. I know it's out there. I know when I'm asked to come into businesses to advise, one of the first things I'm looking for is everything ends up on the leader's desk. And, you know, there are people who are sitting around. What are you doing? I'm just waiting to get an authorization from the boss. What are you doing? I'm just waiting to see my advertising campaign needs to be uh, approved by the... And the guy, it's my business. Of course, I have to make these decisions. Well, what that means is that you are yourself embroiled in the minutiae. You're doing other people's work and you're not doing what you should be doing, which is exactly the point you just raised, which is you should be providing the roadmap. And one of the most important things on a roadmap is the destination. We're not going on a road trip if we don't know where we're going. And that, that's crucial. And what's more, navigation, you know, I sailed my family on our sailboat to Hawaii. And it was a 22-day journey from the West Coast to Hawaii. No signposts on the way, you know, no gas stations to stop in and get directions. Every day at midday, I would take a sun sight with a sextant and put a mark on the paper chart designating where we are. And then... I would draw a line from there to Hawaii, to Honolulu, and that would tell me how to steer. Why didn't I just do that once in Los Angeles at the beginning of the voyage and then just steer that route? You've got to keep checking it every day because you don't necessarily end up each day where you thought you would 24 mm-hmm. hours earlier. And so you constantly have to re-navigate, but you can only do that if, if your destination is absolutely clear. 
Well, uh, you know this, but I, I appreciate how much you're able to extract from these ancient texts that apply to our modern-day lives today and yeah, all of our leaders' lives. Yeah, because it's not just a historic text. It's, it's literally God's message to mankind. Mm. Well, as we wrap here, I know it's hard to sum this up, but what is the one habit that you think every leader needs to pursue daily to get through those tasks to accomplish their vision every single day? Is there one habit? Uh, possibly, I'd say, let me have two, all right? I'm okay. going to give I'll you give two. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll tell you why, because I think the whole people sometimes say to me, what is the, the most important secret to a successful marriage? And the answer is very simple. The answer is there is no one secret. Life is too complex, and human interactions uh, are filled with more variables than a, an out-of-control nuclear power station. And so there isn't one secret. So to wrap up with one thing is hard, but I'll go with two. One is um, make sure you can read financial statements and have a regular financial statement for your own business, even if you are still one person trying to build your business. Maybe you're even an employee. Start seeing yourself as a business and check your own financial statements every month. Make sure you know what a profit and loss is and you have one. Pay make attention. sure you have a cash flow statement. So, so – getting down to the nitty-gritty because let's give you an example you know nobody loses weight if they don't have a scale and they don't uh, keep a record of their weight nobody can make money if you don't have a bookkeeping system and you don't know how to read it and you're not watching it regularly if there is no metric there is no progress and so I, I'd be very emphatic that that's a hugely important step. And perhaps the second one is to remember that the more that things change, the more we must depend on those things that never change. Uh, keep your eye on the real goal. The goal isn't how many friends on Facebook. Be happy to exchange 500 friends on Facebook for one customer because mm. customers are more important than digital friends. And so I think yeah, keeping both of those really you could say is – the same thing in a sense, which is keep your eye on the reality of where you are and keep your eye on where you are intending to get and make sure you navigate diligently. Mm. Well, Rabbi, this has been an inspiring conversation. Appreciate Thank your time. You. Thanks for the opportunity to share with you. Yeah, you've really encouraged our Thank leaders you. today. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Rabbi Lappin for coming by the Entree Leadership Studio. So much wisdom. If you want to get his book, Thou Shall Prosper, or another one of our favorites, Business Secrets from the Bible, we've got a link to both of those in the show notes. All right, coming up, we're talking about excellence in the ordinary and how it can lead to big results. We'll have a conversation about that right after this. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, -day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step -step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory, you can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. 
Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. All right, we're back. And coming up, I talk to Blake Thompson, one of our board members and the executive vice president of Ramsey Network. He's been here for almost 26 years, and he knows the importance of being faithful in the little things and how it can lead to huge success. We're also going to talk about the importance of having core values for your team. Here's our conversation. Blake, super excited to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me on. I mean, you run the network that produces this show. That feels pretty meta to be inside of it. That's pretty cool. I'm usually not on this part. I'm watching my guys do it. and You're behind you the it. scenes. That's right. You well, guys do a great job. We brought you in front of the scenes today uh, because we thought you'd be the perfect guy to talk about excellence in the ordinary. This is a core value around here. It's not just slapped on the walls. It's something that we live and breathe. And we stand on the shoulders of giants like you who for many, many years were excellent in the ordinary. How many years have you been at Ramsey now? Um, this July will be, uh, the 26th. Whoa, 26 years. Yeah. That boggles my mind. <laughs> and you started out as the original producer for what's now known as The Ramsey Show. That's right. My first gig was actually a board op running the board for Dave. He wanted to take the show nationwide because it was starting to take off in Nashville and had just an hourly guy by the local station that could care less about the show, you know. And so um, I got hooked up with him through my college I'd graduated with, and we hit it off, and he set out a vision of what this could be. I took a major pay cut, but he said, trust me, you need to come over here. This thing's going to take off. We do everything debt-free, don't have a lot of money right now, but it's 26 years later. He went from, you know, just producing and running the board and doing some phone screening to now overseeing uh, the network. Wow. And now there's multiple shows. The team has exponentially grown. Before, it was just you and Dave That's holding right. down the fort. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've got a whole team of engineers and producers and all kinds of people you're leading. Mm-hmm. I love to see that kind of growth. So talk to us about excellence in the ordinary, uh, what, are, what it means to you. Well, when you told me we we're going to talk about this, I think of you got to go back uh, to humble beginnings and how we started because I'm sure people listening have maybe a small business or thinking about starting. What we learned early was it wasn't going to be one big um, thing that was going to make us successful. I think about when we started syndicating the radio show, we always like, if we could get the Ramsey show on in New York City, or if we could get Dave on the Oprah show, or like what we just did recently, if we could get an award-winning documentary out in the nation, we will make it. And what we realized is those things didn't just make us go from, you know, two to ten. It's not just one big splash. And we went into those things thinking, this is it, this is it. But it's more about the things in between those big things. And what I mean by that, it's um, the small things coming in on time, actually working when you're at work, um, taking care of the customer by calling them back, uh, you know, just excellence in the ordinary, small day-to-day things. But it wasn't just about the success part. It was also we realized that it, it wasn't going to probably be just one mistake or um, one missed thing that was going to make us fail either. Dave calls it death by a thousand cuts. 
So it's a, a bunch of little things, not being excellent over the little things over time. They say it's not just one piece of cake that's going to make you fat. You just keep eating the cake week by week by week, and oh, all of a sudden I wake up, I'm fat. So both the success side and the failure side, it's just being on top of those small little things day to day that really matter. Mm. It's the things that may seem trivial or seem like a waste of time. That's right. But that's the stuff that grows your character. That's the stuff that ends up making a big impact over a long period of time. Yeah. And we found if you don't do those things with excellence and you don't focus like that, you don't get the opportunity for the big things. Yeah. So take us back to the the older days when it was a much smaller team. What are a few examples of things that you've seen or maybe that you did mm-hmm. uh, back in those early days and how that's led to – here we are today, uh, over a thousand team members and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah, some of those smaller things, or maybe not real small, just the things you just had to do every day that got us to where we are today. I think back of, you know, when Dave and I started out, we had to drive 40 miles round trip just to go to a little closet that had the equipment to be able to do a radio show for three hours a day, Monday through Friday. And the reason we were willing to do that is because we wasn't going to build our own thing because we didn't have the money. So we had to stay with our debt-free principles every single day until we saved up in about three years from that time and built, you know, we're in a little closet. We just got a little bigger closet of our own, but we did it the right way. It was calling stations in the early days when no one had a clue who Dave Ramsey is. He was no household name then. No one had any idea what this radio show was. And it was consistently getting on the phone, cold calling these stations and going, hey, will you take this show? Begging these, trust me, it's going to help your people. But they had no clue who we were. But it's that little stuff we had to do every day that wasn't the fun. I also think of George back in the day when there's about, I don't know, 10 to 20 of us. We'd have uh, little phones in our little cube area and a voice would come on and say, all men to shipping. And what that was, was we dropped whatever we were doing because a truck was pulling up with our books or some product from a small live event we did. And it didn't matter if you were in shipping. We didn't have a shipping department then. It didn't matter what your job was. But part of those little small things starting out was, okay, we got to go down and give a hand and unload that truck. Now we have a whole shipping department, a big old dock out here with semis pull up and a team to do that. So when it happens, me and you aren't leaving what we're doing to go do it, but we would not have that today if it wasn't for those small, doing the small things and and being willing to do that stuff early. One more example was uh, that just came to me as live events Um, when we started doing live events. One of our first markets was this Jackson, Tennessee, and it was in a small hotel, little conference room, and it was a big deal. We were going on the road to Jackson. We didn't have a live, a live events department. Dave was going to go there to speak. I drove a van, and I was a producer. Um, I had a guy with me that did another whole job, and we worked the tables while we were there, like selling the books. But that was the small things it took to get to where we are today, where we have teams doing that and a whole live event team and all that. So it was pretty cool. Side side note, when we were at that hotel, me and Dave were in the parking lot right after the event. There's probably, I don't know, maybe 50, 67 people there. We looked across the street at the arena there in Jackson. We said one day we're going to be in there. And literally three years later, just a side note, Dave was on that stage. Wow. That's incredible. Yep. Man, I love hearing these stories. It's inspiring and for, you know, all of our listeners, they're going, oh, this is where I am today. And if I can just be excellent in the ordinary, be faithful in those little things, right. over time, it's going to get you there. But in the moment, it can feel like 
this is not what's going to be it. Mundane, this nuance. Is not it. Yep, you're right. And Dave reminds us in staff meeting, it feels like about every Monday, that, hey, if you're writing that piece of code, you're firing That's off right. that email, you're making that phone call, that is the backbone of this place. That's right. It's not the flashy book launches and the shows and the stuff, you know, being in front of the camera. You're right. It's those people who create the impact. That's right. And so it's a great reminder for our leaders listening that you will get there. But it starts with this. Yep. It starts with being faithful in the little things, managing what God's given you really well, focusing Mm -hmm. on your KRA. Even if you go, that's not what I want to be doing. You have to really crush the KRA if you want to go to that next thing. So true. That's good. So let's talk about present day. How does this play out currently Mm -hmm. with our culture and everything we've built here at Ramsey? Well, it's what we're calling uh, core values. You know, this is one of our core values, like you set up this interview. And if you work at Ramsey, you hear the word core value you know what that means. That means this is what the foundation is. This is like the DNA of this This is what we do. Uh, It's not aspirational. That's right. So much so, and you know this, George, that Dave on staff meeting Mondays will still hit these core values or teach from them. It's constantly, you could be here for 26 years, you could be here for 26 minutes, and you're going to hear the CEO from the stage hitting these core values constantly. You're going to hear leaders in your department sharing that and saying, this is our filter. This is how we do it. And it comes top down. And you will you can even come visit us um, at Ramsey Solutions if you're in uh, Franklin, Tennessee and come in our building. Guess what? They're on the walls. You go on the stair walls, uh, the staircase. They're on the walls in there. You get off an elevator. It's in front of your face. So it plays out to be a core value, which each business in return has that posture and is held to that. And at the end of the day, it's doing the right thing the right way every day. Mm. Some great reminders there. And I've witnessed this day in and day out. And it's not enough to put a core value in an employee handbook one time. You've got to remind your That's team. Right. You've got to communicate this regularly. You have to see it. You have to be it. Yeah. And so for the leader who's going, my team's not gra- grasping this. Yeah. Are you doing it later? Are you going right. first and showing them what that looks like? Yeah, and your point, I think of Dave always says, whether it's a core value or it's a, hey, here's our vision or here's why we're making this decision or this move, he always says, you got to say it like 25 times until someone goes, oh, I get it, instead of just one and done. Yeah. So what is the importance of having core values like this for your team? For a leader listening, they go, Blake, this is all nice. I've got my mission. I've got my vision. Do I really need these core values? Yeah, it really is your filter or should be your guide or a compass. I think of Jim Collins' book, Built to Last. If you haven't read that book, uh, Jim Collins studies um, these major corporations and these companies we've all heard of, the ones that have succeeded over time through the years. And he's also studied the ones that everyone thought was the next big thing or huge, and they failed. And he really wanted to know what caused them to fail and what caused the ones to win. And one of the key characteristics in that book he found was an uncompromising commitment to a core value as a team. And so, I mean, that just sums it up. They must know exactly what the foundation is, what, how we make decisions. It had to have been talked about all the time, not just once like we called out. So that's a big one. Another thing is core values should always come before like a policy or practices or financial goals. You have to have that 
I feel, because I learned it here, in order for that other stuff to even work and to have a unified team. And, you know, team unity can only be maintained where there's um, an agreement, I feel, on a core or on core values. And, you know, we got guys in the booth running cameras and audio right here. You're across from me. We all will hear a core value and we all know exactly what it means because we all hear it all the time. Yeah, man, some great reminders there. I love seeing your growth over the years. I mean, we stand on the shoulders of giants like you who have paved the way for many, many years before I ever entered this building. And I'm just grateful for your taking us as well. Love your heart. Love your wisdom. Thanks for being on with us. Well, thank you, George, for having me. Thanks so much, Blake. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Zig Ziglar, and he says this, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You see, if you don't have a clear vision for your team, how can you expect them to win? And we want to help you dial in that vision and create actionable goals. So to help you get there, our team has created a free download called the Desired Future Dashboard. This is going to give you and your team clarity and accountability. So to get this free download, just use the link in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show. If you did, give us a five-star rating and write us a review. We love to hear your feedback. And the simplest way to help us grow is to send this episode to a friend. Be sure to follow us at Entree Leadership wherever you hang out on social media. This episode was produced by Tim Hull, edited by Jacob Harrison, and mixed and mastered by Will Rudder. I'm your host, George Camel, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like The Ken Coleman Show. Are you doing what you were born to do? I'm Ken Coleman, host of The Ken Coleman Show, where I give you practical advice to help you discover your purpose and then map out a plan to get you there. From accounting to advertising, from plumbing to production, you were created to fill a unique role, and the world needs what you have to offer. Join me on The Ken Coleman Show wherever you listen to podcasts.